16 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to our headline segment here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, tonight uh, we uh, take a look, of course, at that story there that uh, we were wrapping up towards the end of our discussion with Kanya uh, from Satana Capital. And that's uh, what happened out at the Palm Ridge Commercial or Specialized Commercial Crimes Court um, insofar as the uh, contract for the um, acquisition of 1,064 trains uh, was concerned uh, over the last few years or so. And former Translate Executive Brian Mulef and Anaj Singh, together with the regiment's capital directors, Niven Pillay and Lita Nyonya, uh, appeared in the Palm Ridge Specialized Crimes Court uh, earlier on today in connection with uh, uh, nearly $400 million in fraud and corruption charges at uh, port and logistics giant Transnet. My colleague Mbalent Lamtetwa uh, was uh, yeah, there and has been close and following the story for much of today and joins me now on the line. Balenta, good evening and welcome. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for having me. I hope you're well. I'm well, thanks. And yourself? I can't complain, can't complain. Uh, not too bad a start to the week. Talk to us, uh, I guess, about the background to this particular case. Um, you know, who is Trillian in relation to Transnet and uh, why now? Um, I mean, we understand this had to do with the procurement of 1,064 trains uh, and transaction advisory services. Yes, certainly. So if you go back to the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, which was once upon a time labeled as uh, a talk shop. Mm. Um, but it's very interesting to see that, you know, after the talk shop has wrapped up, it seems as though we're starting to see some form of action, you know, and seeing arrests and, and so on connected to uh, the State Capture Commission of Inquiry. We spoke to the investigative directorate today, and they did indicate that uh, the arrest was stemmed from contract or testimony that came out of the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, as well as some investigations that they've also done on their own. So it seems as though they believe that they do have a strong case against those who have been arrested. Uh, but there's also an expectation that there will be more arrests. They did um, talk about the fact that they are looking uh, to get um, uh, two more uh, suspects extradited back to South Africa to face the charges. Now, going back to the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, the 1064 locomotives business case, which was um, initially um, formulated by Francis Callot, who was an engineer with uh, Transnet at the time. It was supposed to be a confinement um, for uh, one uh, Japanese um, company. Uh, this was then later inflated, right, um, in order to favor uh, a Gupta-linked company. And this was all done... Um, with the assistance of companies like Gupta companies like Trillion, as well as Regiment Capital. And you see that, you know, Anaj Singh, the allegations are that Anaj Singh was the CFO at Transit at the time, mm. uh, along with other individuals, um, approved the payment of some of these um, contracts, despite there having been no work um, being done. And two, this was a transaction advisory services was something that Transnet had the capacity to do internally. You would have heard from uh, one of the, uh, the individuals who testified before the State Capture Commission of Inquiry uh, detailing the fact that they had tried to reach out to certain individuals uh, who were executives at the time and um, unfortunately... are you still with us? Ah, I seem to have lost our connection there with Mbalenzim Tetra. Uh, I 
as uh, yeah, we're getting, I guess, into the nub of the issues. But let's try and reestablish our connection with Mbalit Lemteto, SABC reporter, on a much better line. Ten minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, I'm in discussion with Mbalit Lemteto, a reporter here at the SABC, who's been following quite closely throughout the course of the day today. The uh, uh, arrest of uh, former transit executives Brian Mulefe and Anoj Singh, uh, together with the regiment's capital directors Niven Pillay and Lita Nyonya, uh, who appeared in the Palm Ridge Specialized Crimes Court earlier on today. Bali, I hope we have you on a better line. Yes, you do. Okay, all right. So, Mbalenti, I mean, you, you were still, I guess, mapping out uh, some of the organizations and the individuals here. Yeah. Uh, I was asking, um, you know, our colleague Kanya earlier on, where's McKinsey? Uh, because my recollection is that Trillion was brought on board as a subcontractor on a transactional advisory contract on the 1064 locomotives contract of Transnet Freight Rail. Um, and they were brought in via McKinsey, which effectively was the main contractor on that project. Why now the arrest only of Transnet and uh, Trillion? Uh, what about the people who were at McKinsey and Company? Well, at this stage, I think the best way I can answer that question is that more arrests are imminent. Okay. Um, it seems as though, you know, this is, you would have heard if, um, I mean, listening to the proceedings, one, I'm not saying um, legal representative did w- ask the court if it was possible to get the full charge sheet. Mm. Um, so, unfortunately, this request um, was not granted, uh, given the fact that, you know, the independent uh, director, the investigative director, um, director is also just um, playing its cards close to its chest. It wants to keep this charge sheet um, to itself until all those who are implicated in wrongdoing at Transnet and who were involved in this particular, in these particular uh, transactions, um, they will wait until they're all there before they had they, they bring out the, the full charge sheet. And this is all in an effort to protect the integrity of the investigations and mm. also to protect the integrity of the particular case. Uh, we did ask them if they believe that they have a strong case, and they said they do. I mean, this is all because of both the evidence that's come out of the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, but also um, evidence that they've also investigated on their own. And um, so it seems as though, you know, this is still going to be a wait-and-see game. We will have to wait and see because um, we understand that the court, the matter has been postponed until the 14th of October. But there is an expectation that the, it, the, the matter might still be postponed and might not fit if all the, 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 the suspects are still not, you know, haven't been arrested or haven't appeared before court uh, for a bail application. So I'm trying to wrap my head around this because... I guess, you know, while on the one hand we must note and commend the National Prosecuting Authority for bringing these matters this far, um, one also wonders whether or not this is but the start of the unfolding prosecutions of many who have now been fingered in the Zondo Commission on State Capture and the report that subsequently emerged from that. Just your thoughts on that. Well, you know, at this stage, the the, the NPA is a bit mum <laughs> as to who will be arrested next. But like I said a bit earlier on, is that the the Zondo Commission had been viewed as um, a talk show uh, by many, right? 
Um, and some had even labeled it as, as a gossip session you would have seen on social media. Those were some of the comments that were coming out of those uh, platforms. But suddenly it seems after the conclusion of that report, um, we're seeing some form of action taking place in the form of individuals getting arrested and also um, charges being... Oh, okay. I will have to leave it there. Um, but yeah, Mbalentle, thank you very much uh, for your time. Asbong and Yambos. Uh, unfortunately, something is happening there with our lines. And uh, that's why there's lines in China, but I'll uh, Yeah, okay. From yes, the team, team like what happened to Oscar Pistorius and this thing should be cut off you know I know Karel Marx once said who's of any difference between Avanta Vasupegil and Avanta Avanimal and then he once he also said with uh, the poor shall be more poor and the richer shall be more richer. And Ilendole is a proven SHL, which Mr. Mlefe will be more richer than those who are poor in SHL. It means So, if Hey, Aya, uh, good evening, it's Kate. Sure, what a confidence. You know the law uh, is long-armed. Whenever they are convicted, it will just be the beginning of a, a long marathon for them because ESCOM is still coming as well, especially for the two, Brian and Anoch. We just, uh, I applaud the, the NPA for the work that they have done and I trust that, I hope, that their case is is, is, is is at least watertight sure. amongst these, so that any conviction now will serve as aggravating uh, circumstances for the next uh, trial that they are facing. Mm. So that they go for quite a long time behind bars. That's what we'd like to see. Sure. sure. And that they must now proceed to, to, to attach any assets that they do have. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for those voice notes. And I think just on the first one, I mean, it might be slightly premature to already say, well, this fellow is going to get special treatment or preferential treatment out in, uh, you know, the correctional services facilities and that uh, Snenini had a party. Well, he's still free now. I mean, even now he's out on 50,000 Rand bail. So uh, I think he's free really to do a lot of things, maybe not to travel outside the country, but kind of free to do quite a bit. So... Uh, I think only time will tell, but um, I still want us to foreground the fact that, yes, the folks out at Trillion, Lita and Neven, and I also think Eric uh, Eric uh, Wood as well might uh, potentially be charged. But I, I will be gutted, and this is not us now trying to influence the NPA. I will be really gutted if uh, those who are involved at McKinsey and Company uh, do not, uh, you know, uh, also get arrested in similar fashion. I really will be. Um, because here's my point, and I think it's similar even to the issue of Bain. McKinsey, a few years ago, uh, and I just want to check what date this was. Um, yeah, okay, I guess it doesn't matter. But McKinsey made a voluntary commitment to repay the fees that they got. Now, they got 40 million US dollars, 650 million rand. Now, that is more than the money 
That is in dispute in this particular case on this contract, which is 398.4 million among Brian, Anoj, Niven, and Lita. McKinsey and Company got four, 650 million rand. Now, even that 650 million rand, if they've paid it back in full, is not the true cost implication of their involvement in what subsequently happened at Transnet. Think of it this way. The whole idea of getting those trains was really about trying to improve the, you know, uh, the uh, locomotives that ESCOM had as part of its own market demand strategy at the time, uh, which was really aimed at trying to capture much of the value associated with the commodity boom following the 2007-8 crisis. And so the idea was if you had more trains on the road, uh, you would be able to ship more volumes. And then, of course, many of the miners would be able to benefit from the price premium that whatever it is they ship out for export was going for. And the implication of all of the stalling, the delays, and, of course, the fleecing of money here was not only uh, or cannot only be quantified insofar as Transnet is concerned, but we probably also want to quantify it in terms of the foregone value that would have accrued to the South African economy and foreign exchange and royalties and many other things if indeed these trains had been procured on time, procured in a proper fashion and not with the kind of malfeasance that McKinsey in this particular case was at the center of. Um, so I, I'm not placing pressure on the NPA, but I'm just saying, just saying that uh, I would love to see McKinsey and company uh, or some of the representatives who were involved there. Uh, you know, being uh, brought under the conch as well. Uh, especially if on this particular charge, trillion and former trillion and former transnet executives are going to be standing. Where are they? It's a little after 8 p.m. It's our headline segment. Uh, we'll come back to that story, but of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, give us a, a ring on our studio line, our new line. On 86 0 You can also uh, WhatsApp us, uh, send us your voice notes there on our WhatsApp line, which is 60 You might want to comment on that. But we now shift our attention all the way to the Buffalo City Metro, where Infrastructure Director and Acting City Manager Ngaba Nguyana was shot and wounded uh, over the course of uh, the weekend in another attack because... Uh, just shy of uh, just about a year ago, he was attacked by gunmen uh, in similar fashion. And uh, to uh, talk us through uh, uh, not only this particular case, but also, I guess, this uh, seeming impunity of uh, people, uh, high-powered business people, municipal officials, politicians being shot in this fashion uh, in the Eastern Cape and uh, replete with cases of this kind. I'm joined on the line by Nondando Ngamlana, Executive Director out at Ephesus Corplin. This is Nondando. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you for having me, Ayabonga, and good evening to the listeners. So, I mean, uh, you guys are a civil society organization working in the realm of local government and strengthening governance, planning, uh, and in many of the areas that interface with the functions that municipalities would undertake uh, in the ordinary course of their business. When you hear things like this, it's not the first time and in many other parts of the Eastern Cape, uh, where people are shot and where it's not just, you know, any Tom, Dick or Harry or just a normal person, but it's actually people who yield and wield a considerable amount of power. Um, it seems it's becoming more frequent. 
what is exactly happening, just for the benefit of some of our listeners who might not be familiar with what we've seen over the last while? And um, as a thesis corporal, your thoughts on this? This is not done. Hold the line there for us for a second. We're battling uh, with the line. It is a bit of an issue there. So if you don't mind, just move around for me slightly and we'll try and reconnect you on a much better line. This is not done. I hope I have you on a much better line. I hope so too. Okay. This so just the last uh, few sentences, I, I think you're raising something there around also declining resources and how those create. Uh, contests that are much more fractious and in this case lethal. Ab- absolutely, and so that's what we're reading um, of it. And obviously, um, key decision makers or those that are deemed to be key decision makers, um, like in the case of the acting municipal manager in Buffalo City, are then targeted. Um, and and I think the most sad thing about it is that of all the cases that we've been following. Uh, nobody's been bought to book. And so the capacity of crime-fighting institutions to investigate and 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 prosecute these cases seems also um, to be limited. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, just talk, talk to us about some of the other cases because I think the point you raise is critical. That if people observe, uh, and I'm assuming now the people who do this kind of thing, if they observe that actually they can do this with impunity without any risk of um, reprisals or any consequence, and then we're likely to see this, um, you know, becoming uh, a lot more widespread. And um, I think if our macro fiscal situation is anything to go by, as uh, the resources or the spoils become a lot leaner, uh, the contest might become a lot more violent and a lot sharper. Absolutely. I mean, so we are seeing, we've seen the same in Namatole, the district, um, at the time of the change in leadership. Um, we have seen the same in the Kwisani district. We've seen the same in Nelson Mandela Bay. Um, and we've seen the same in many municipalities across KwaZulu-Natal and Pumalanga. Um, but, I mean, wherever you go, I think the the trend and the indicators seem to be the same. Um, the, 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 the environment that breathes um, this kind of behavior also seems to be the same. So there's parallels that could be drawn, right, mm. across the country. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess the, the other question, of course, is, you know, this is not just, I come back to this point, it's not just any official. I mean, this is a senior official. It's the acting city manager of a metro. Um, and, you know, it just seems to me that uh, even how this has been engaged with um you know, there's a desensitization, man, where people don't, you know, uh, sit up anymore. It's like, oh, okay, let's keep it moving. What, what do you make of the societal response and even, I guess, the response uh, just in coverage uh, of uh, what has unfolded here? And that's the saddest part of it, right, is that we're becoming quite immune to it. Mm. We're becoming quite used to it. I mean, we talk of the political killings in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, society no longer laments uh, when one senior officials in municipalities that want to do their job and do it right without fear or favor. Um, but when you know that the likelihood is that you might you might be killed um, for the decisions and the values that you uphold, um, and 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 that and, and that it would just be one of those cases that we move by mm. um, and nothing happens. That's the saddest part. 
I mean, in many ways, it's Nondando, um, this open display okay, of the conflicts. I mean, you know, people don't just shoot one another. And uh, I, I do appreciate we're speculating here, we're playing in the realm of conjecture because we really don't know the circumstances that gave rise to this killing. But if somebody at that level can be shot in this kind of fashion, it does suggest that there might be underlying tensions that are fractious and contestations within the municipal administration. Um, and if we accept that, of course, that stands to reason, but if we accept that, um, the big question is what implications does that have uh, for you know, uh, integrated service delivery in places like Buffalo City, uh, uh, a metro, um, and in your own experiences as uh, Ephesus Corplin, you know, this uh, declining set of resources, uh, you know, rapid deindustrialization, challenges of unemployment, migration into the area. All of these, it seems, are just, you know, have the makings of a perfect storm, which uh, from time to time is going to bubble over into contests of this kind. Absolutely. I mean, earlier on, you were talking about the challenges of transnet and municipalities. Mm. It's just a microcosm of the the, the turmoil that our country is in. And so, yes, we know that in municipalities there is a heightened collusion of private interests, be those business or political elites, political party interests, and the interests of others. You know, that interface at the level of a municipality. Mm. And so what we're likely to see with the increase um, attacks on key decision makers in municipalities um, is that people are either those that have power um, and are, are, are just dedicated, committed public servants um, will either give in to the to the interests, you know, the interests of the other, the criminal interests, or if they do stand up and stand up for public good, they're likely to get killed. Mm. And I think in a, in, in, in a democracy so, so hard fought for, that is just a state at play that we cannot, we cannot be comfortable with. We cannot, we cannot be quiet um, at a time when, when criminality um, takes over in the manner that we've seen. Um, and then I think we do have to speak up, and I do think that we do have to reflect on the capacity of our state and our crime-fighting institutions to respond. Um, but we also do need to look at um, the, 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 I guess the, that interface, right, and what it looks like to interface to, mm. to insulate uh, municipalities from private from private interests. Um, and we haven't we haven't managed to do that. We're having the conversations, but we haven't managed to innovate around what it looks like to insulate municipalities in ways that make sense. Yeah, and also to insulate law enforcement. I mean, um, what what kind of capability and capacity is needed in law enforcement to deal Absolutely. with um, what might seem on the surface to be political killings? And I think, you know, I come back to the point I made earlier on. We can only speculate because, you mm. know, Mzanz Africa. Um, you know, even just common murders um, are, are so widespread uh, that uh, I'm often quite cautious to, to draw a distinction between political violence as distinct from just being shot on the street because of how mm. widespread both are. Yeah, true. True that. Yeah. So, Nondano, maybe just as we wrap up, um, I, I'm quite interested, I guess, 
in, um, you know, we know this is the acting city manager. He was the head of or director of uh, infrastructure. Um, maybe just uh, out of interest. I mean, one would think for a metro with a budget as large as uh, Buffalo City Municipality, it creates its own political economy contest. What are some of the big projects, uh, certainly that you guys are observing in line with the work that you do, uh, that uh, you're looking at there that would have been overseen by this gentleman who's now, uh, I guess, being wounded in this fashion? Look, um, Buffalo City, like you said, uh, has, a, has a large, in relative to the Eastern Cape, has a large capital budget, so spends a mm. lot of money on capital infrastructure. However, quite recently, um, the city has experienced a cash flow project, cash flow problem, mm. and so has halted some of its capital infrastructure projects. And so it is right at the time when the city halts it's spending on capital infrastructure oh. that this happens. And so while one speculates um, the timing of it relative to the city mm. experiencing financial difficulties and taking a decision to then put a stop on its capital expenditure. Just give me some background um, on that decision. I mean, how, under what conditions, what are the circumstances that gave rise to that decision to halt capital so the, spending? Yeah. So the city... Um, has been having for a while now um, revenue collection and billing problems. Mm. And it claims that it's owned, it's owed a lot of money by government departments and business and local business, um, as well as, as, as household debt, right? It's risen, risen to about mm. $3 billion. And so it then experienced cash flow problems. Um, and so it embarked on a massive drive to get its residents and its businesses to pay back what they owe. In in that moment of it experiencing a cash flow challenge, it then took a decision um, to halt its capital uh, spending. And so it halted spending on big capital infrastructure projects. And so this is around the time and the context and climate um, within which Mr. Um, Munyana gets short. Obviously, this is all speculative, but just mm. the timing um, of it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Thank you very Have much. Londando Ngamlana, they're speaking to us uh, from Ephesus Corplin, uh, one of the uh, yeah historic and recognizable civil society organizations out uh, in the Eastern Cape. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what do you make of that one. Many of you sharing your tweets and we'll come back to those on the other side of this, but do share with us your WhatsApps as well.